0: section seven of the national geographic magazine volume eight february eighteen ninety seven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. dot org recording by betty b the national geographic society synopsis of lectures the forthcoming course of lectures on the effects of geographic environment in developing the civilization of the world as supplementary to the general synopsis of this course published in the january number of the national geographic magazine the following special synopses have been furnished by the different lecturers march first the effect of geographic environment in the development of civilization in prehistoric man by hon gardner g hubbard the civilization of man did not originate from within but has ever been the effect of geographic environment pressing from without while civilization has been on the whole beneficial yet every advance has been accompanied by suffering and death man was originally subject to nature and depended on nature for his food and habitation and was even less provided than many other animals the joy and suffering of the savage were less than those of civilized man for care and responsibility come with civilization civilization has never advanced steadily in any country or any age after remaining stationary for ages and often retrograding beginning in the orient it has gradually travelled westward save in its early progress to china in the east and to egypt in the south nearly three-fourths of the earth have always been and are now occupied by savages or barbarians and nomad races three-fourths of the population are civilized and occupy the remaining quarter of the globe the earliest remains of man are found in banks of rivers and in caves in england and france and are accompanied by bones of animals either long since extinct or now living in the arctic or torrid zones showing the great antiquity of man and his manner of life, and implements of offense and defense. Savage and barbarous nations obtain all their food from nature, and, like many animals, have no care or thought for the morrow. This uncertainty of life leads to recklessness and idleness. The first step in advance seems to have been made by the inhabitants of Central Asia, where the geographical environment furnished inducement for the life of the nomad, for here was the home of the sheep goat and horse they were obliged to care for their flocks morning and night and in summer provide for winter thus they were trained in ways unknown to the savage and took the first step toward civilization these nomads have never made further progress they live the same life today in arabia and central asia that they have lived for thousands and perhaps tens of thousands of years the next step in civilization and the first progressive step was in countries like egypt mesopotamia and china where rivers overflow their banks and irrigate the desert and where the people were taught of necessity to dig irrigating ditches the land yielded luxuriantly and with little labor so a large population was soon gathered and men were thus brought in close contact for there can be no progressive civilization without the intimate contact of man with man this contact is impossible where men live by hunting or by pasturing cattle for then one man requires for his support the same territory that will sustain many civilized men the civilization of egypt and mesopotamia was of a low order for there could be neither liberty of thought nor of action where there were only two classes master and servant under the patriarchal system the father was the head of the family the children were subject to him and the property belonged to him as the families increased the successor of the father the oldest or most powerful son became in like manner the patriarch we see these features exemplified in the life of abraham who had absolute control over the life of isaac the continuance of this despotism and slavery in babylon led to luxury, decay, and the extinction of civilized life. It was not until civilization reached Greece that personal freedom with liberty of mind and body was obtained, and only then was the commencement of arts, science, and true civilization. March eighth, Babylonia by William Hayes Ward, D.D. L.L.D. of the Independent it is still uncertain whether civilization began in the nile or the euphrates valley babylonian history must now be pushed back a thousand years or more beyond sargon of agani who lived 3800 bc it is generally asserted that civilization must begin in a river bottom which affords abundant food for a dense population and compels division of labor Record of civilization begins with writing. All progress before it is prehistoric. Writing was independently invented in these two valleys. The Nile and Euphrates valleys had important differences, though alike in climate and fertility. The Nile Valley is accessible only at its lower end, protected on the sides by desert and at the upper end by cataracts. The Euphrates Valley is easily attacked from the north towards Syria and Armenia, and from the east towards elam and was liable to be overrun by barbarous hordes the composite euphrates and tigris valley differs from the nile valley in the nature of its floods the tigris flood comes first and the flood is not so much welcomed as guarded against irrigation by canals is of first importance babylonia is a land of natural swamps where the mounds of old cities and the banks of great canals are the chief feature of the landscape as soon as irrigation ceases all returns to desolation the valley has advanced more than a hundred miles into the persian gulf since its first cities were built in the nile valley the date palm was first cultivated while wheat and barley came probably from the euphrates region very ancient monuments show gods adorned with grain and honored with the plow the native fauna included the buffalo the wild ox the ass the sheep and the goat all domesticated in the earliest times and providing an unequaled basis for incipient civilization these natural advantages allowed a dense population but the danger of invasion especially from elam compelled the population which from the beginning had had to fight lions leopards and wild oxen also to fight their neighbors this developed a more warlike race than inhabited egypt barbaric invasions also gave a more composite population and necessitated civil wars from the beginning of history we find babylonia attacking elam on the east and reaching to the north and west as far as the mediterranean before the eighteenth egyptian dynasty egyptian influence had hardly entered asia while babylonia ruled as far as cyprus and it was babylonian culture which controlled asia minor and all the coast created the assyrian and hittite people and through these and the phoenician trade gave the chief impulse to greek civilization march fifteenth syria by rev dr thomas j shahan of the catholic university of america syria its human interest from time immemorial a battlefield the scene of west asiatic conquest and defeat the empires of egypt and africa the lombardy of the orient the forum of eastern and western civilizations the converging point of far eastern trade emporium for other mediterranean nations and the far west the phoenician era tyre and sidon colonies the place of ancient syria in letters art and politics orographical formation rivers tablelands, the great steppe vegetation geological formation cretaceous limestone of the plateau basaltic peaks alluvial lands clay soils of the steppe political geography pre-egyptian inhabitants egyptian conquest a subject-state of assyria babylonia persia the inheritance of the greek generals of alexander armenian and parthian masters becomes part of the world empire of rome chief bazaar and art museum of the empire the causes of its decline and early conquest by arab invaders islam and syria march twenty second tyre and sidon by professor thomas davidson m a of brooklyn new york the phoenicians a branch of the semites the semitic character and form of social union religion devotion to industry and trade the extent of semitic civilization homeric greece and the civilization of agamemnon semitic the semitic character as affected by surroundings by the desert arabs by the fertile land babylonians etc by mountains and sea phoenicians phoenicians unwarlike but enterprising nature of their civilization industry and trade two phases of phoenician civilization represented by sidon and tyre in the west we can trace the former by the deities poseidon i e baal-sidon and Aphrodite, i e aphrodite the latter heracles melkarth and pallas i e balat athena the quarrel between poseidon and pallas the parthenon group the olympia metopes the extent of the phoenician trade and its effect upon the countries visited they double the cape of good hope the phoenician colonies carthage etc and their civilization its strength and weakness want of idealism and political sense the dangers of a merely industrial civilization why carthage succumbed to rome the world's debt to phoenicia as an example of industrial enterprise unrelieved by art literature or science march twenty ninth greece by professor benjamin ide wheeler lld of cornell university greece how its geography explains its history its position the outpost of europe though removed from it by its peninsular form not severed from connection with it greek ideas are representative occidental ideas the contrast of occidentalism and orientalism joined to asia by a bridge of islands and by the navigable aegean hence open to the reception of eastern ideas and motives but secured in its capability of assimilating them the extent and nature of eastern influence surrounded by the mediterranean hence a distributing medium its primacy in mediterranean civilization relations of this civilization to modern european civilization its geography the irregularity of its coastline proximity of all its parts to the sea abundance of sheltered beach harbors absence of great rivers contrast with the great river civilization of egypt and mesopotamia partition into districts by mountains features of mountain chains not impassable barriers plains of limited size these encourage particularism and a consciousness of the power of individual initiative. Plains mostly accessible to the sea. Communication by sea rather than by land encouraged. Opened outward rather than inward. Motive to union lessened. Variety in relative location of the plains productive of variety in conditions of life and hence of social and political ideas. Greece a mosaic. The islands so numerous as to set a standard of political and material existence. Extension of the analogy to the Athens of themistocles and pericles citadels treated as islands its size and the distances between its ports superficial area distance between important points routes and methods of communication effective dimensions upon the greek sense of proportion and upon the stimulation of individual energy climate and products temperature and contrast of seasons outdoor life sociability democracy, interest in athletics, winds, effect on commerce, rainfall and fertility, products of soil, bent toward commerce rather than agriculture, urban life and attitude toward farmers, important sites, cities, Sparta, Thebes, Corinth, Athens, and their geographical characteristics, battlefields, Marathon, Mantinea, Charanea, Salamis, festal places olympia delphi impressions of greek scenery april fifth rome by rev dr alex mckay smith of washington d c the name its significance in history differentiation from other world forces its position the people who founded it environment mixture of races the resultant in terms of character the opportunity of rome clearing the way the enlargement of power. What the sea did for Rome. What Rome did for man. Evolution and involution. Its growth in certain virtues. The vice of those virtues. The virtue of those vices. The wings and claws of the eagle. The culmination of glory. The sphere of influence. Why the republic became an empire and the empire waned. Roots and fungi. The imperial city. Its splendor. What it stood for the upheaval of new forces readjustment the turning over of europe fresh foci the barbarian at the gates medieval rome its influence its rationale its weakness and power the renaissance old foes with new faces its meaning in art and religion reverence and contempt the dust-heap and anthill the city of today, the hiding of its power what it means to the scholar to the artist to the traveller characteristics the strength of ruins the palimpsests of history april twelfth constantinople by professor edwin a grosvenor of amherst college rome though able to build up a universal empire could no longer retain her place as the world's capital under conditions existent at the end of the third century a change of sight was absolutely necessary a new world capital must be planted on some spot possessed of four requisites, the positional, the strategic, the material, and the sentimental. Former emperors had perceived this fact, but the undertaking was beyond their power. The name of Constantine is immortalized, and his statesmanship demonstrated in that he took definite and decisive action. Only after years of disappointed examination did he recognize the one preeminent site no city chosen by the art of man has been so well chosen and so permanent the history and influence the whole being of none other has been so determined by physical causes by environment the spot once selected the city was the creation of nature rather than the result of imperial decree in the hands of its environment it was a passive and by means of its environment an active factor it gave strength to the empire rather than derived strength from the empire from 330 to 1204 it was the queen city of the world during those tumultuous nine centuries while every other continental city was captured more than once constantinople did not once succumb to foreign attack the crowned heir of rome and italy it was inevitably the heir of athens and greece hellenismos deserting the ilissos and Kefisos found its focal center on the banks of the Bosphorus, and under the name byzantine was distinctly greek when the world's front changed constantinople lost for a time its undisputed preeminence but has never descended to a lower rank than that of capital of an empire during the last centuries its political importance because of its political possibilities has constantly increased Today. The most stupendous problem of statecraft is the ultimate fate of constantinople in case of modifications in the east its transference from the hands of the ottomans involves a reorganization and readjustment of european interests no less momentous than resulted from the wars of the reformation or of the french revolution there are but three possible solutions of the problem none of them satisfactory to all and each distasteful to some one or more of the powers most directly concerned between these three time is to choose the lecture will treat as fully as possible of the many-sided city but the central thought will be its political prominence and destiny april nineteenth venice and genoa by professor william h goodyear of the brooklyn institute of arts and sciences the german precision and the byzantine culture in western europe the position of italy in medieval history as mediator for byzantine influence in europe the italian towns which were active in this influence predecessors of venice and genoa the mountains of genoa the monuments of venice the painters of venice april twenty sixth america arrangements not completed these lectures will be delivered in the columbia theatre Washington, D.C., on nine successive Monday afternoons, commencing March 1st. Each lecture will be accompanied by lantern slide illustrations. End of Section 7 End of The National Geographic Magazine, Volume 8, February 1897